in that song, Anointed. Remember, uh, Amy Brindle gave me that CD to listen to before weeks before they were going to sing this song, and I came upon that song. Uh, there's like nine, ten songs on the CD, and I came to that song, and I played it <laughs> over and over for like three weeks straight. I didn't change the song. I played. It was like a, the original song is like 13 minutes long, and I like played it every, and I like sang at the top of my lungs. And and I'm a bad singer, but so I was by myself. But I sang it. It's such an anointed song. I love that part where it says, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. In other words, let's just don't play church today, Windover Hills. Let's truly worship the Creator, our God, our Father, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the morning star, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's worship Him this morning. It's glad, I'm glad to be back. Um, this morning I took my time. I fed Ethan around 5.30 this morning. Uh, you know, he came to this world October 31st, and it's been such a blessing, and I just had him resting on my chest this morning and just for, the, for about an hour. I was praising God for um, bringing another gift into this world. It's so precious. Children are so precious. And um, I've been so blessed. So it's good to be back. And uh, let's just give our all today. So if you would bow your heads with me. Father God, we are yours, Lord. We know that you came after us, Lord. And you deserve all of our heart. I pray for anyone that has not given you everything today, that they would give you everything. And that this would be a, a different story. Uh, we would not be sucked into this world's ways. We would not give in to temptations. But that we would seek to be truly holy, sanctified people. that are seeking your heart and your will every day of our life. Help our church, Lord. And help me today as I preach, Father, that you would anoint the words because I am so unworthy to preach. Father, would you just use this time together with this church to speak to each individual's heart today, however you would direct it. Holy Spirit, fall upon us and lead us. It's in your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there was some big news this week. Well, the, the, the biggest news is my son being born, of course. Uh, I mean, that was by far the biggest news. Um, but on a smaller scale, uh, there was also some big news, and, and that was that the, uh, I don't know if you heard, but the New York Yankees won the World Series. And uh, I don't know if we have any Yankee fans out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, they defeated the Philadelphia Phillies in six games. 
And I didn't know if you knew this, but um, I am one of the biggest Yankee fans there are. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I became the biggest Yankee fan on Wednesday night when they won. And uh, so, and you, you may say, well, hold up, PB. Now, now wait a second. Uh, you're not a true fan. And I would agree. You're right. I'm not a true fan because true fans are usually with a team through thick and thin, through everything. And I just became the fan on Wednesday when they won the World Series. I'm the biggest Yankee fan. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between um, a fan and a devoted follower. Because a fan usually um, is with their team when they're succeeding, uh, usually um, is proud to boast their logo, uh, as we have, right? I mean, for example, the Colts, I mean, that's my team, and they're undefeated. Amen, right? We've got some peeps from Indiana that came to visit us today. And, we, and see, we've, we've, we, have, uh, we, we tend to, to really want to show our support, our loyalty to our team as a fan. But when times get rough and when seasons go bad, most of the fans you see will depart. They'll jump, they'll abandon ship, won't they? And how's your team doing, Panthers, this year? Oh, not very good. How many fans do we still have in here? Not very many. Okay, just a few, right? But the devoted followers, they go much deeper. And when I think of devoted followers, I think of the Chicago Cubs fans. Because those people are crazy. They have not won a World Series championship since 1908. And yet they have some of the most devoted fans possible. And I read a story this week that I thought was hilarious, that I thought I would share with you because uh, it's not going to be hilarious now that I said it's going to be hilarious, but um, April of this year, they opened up, it's called Beyond the Vines, Eternal Luxury Suites for Cubs fans. Actually, in a cemetery, they have, they have um, <laughs> bought out, a, this, is a, this is actually true, they bought out a suite of, there's only so many, there's like a, a couple hundred spots that the most devoted, loyal followers of Cub fans can buy when they, when they, uh, before they, they, they um, die. And so they have a spot there that they can, th- this is what the, this came from the press release, listen to what they had to say. It's called Beyond the Vines, and this is in Chicago, um, Bohemia National Cemetery. This is from the press release. Going to visit loved ones at the cemetery can be a bit gloomy at times, which is why I wanted to transform the experience of the cemetery visit. At Beyond the Vines, you can sit in an authenticated Cubs box seat, walk on the Wrigley-filled pavers, or stand on the recently removed Wrigley turf. You'll be able to go back in time and reminisce about the great moments you've shared with your departed. One of our customers actually said this, I can't wait to be there. <laughs> That's what it's all about. This is not just an idea that came to me. It is an idea that came through me. It's really a beautiful place. And they actually, they actually have um, different packages. You can get the Grand Slam package. I'm not making this up where you can get the cremation services, Cub theme um, cemetery service, official Cubs urn, and brass nameplate plaque or whatever. So... Taking it all the way to the death, all right, these Cub fans 
are devoted followers. There's a difference between a fan and a devoted follower. And I think today Jesus has enough fans in this world. You see that by the statistics of who will claim to be a Christian. But what Jesus needs is devoted followers, okay? And not just fans. Not just when the times get tough that we're going to bail on him. Not just when times go really well and we forget about him, but rather we are devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Um, I think we have a problem today in our postmodern generation, and, and I think that is our lack of commitment. And I've seen it time and time again, and I think it's hindering our churches today as well. And that's what I really want to focus on today. The, the title of this message is Commit to Finish. Uh, we're raising a generation now that is not finishing what they started and even in our churches today. Um, going to like Ephesians chapter 5 real quick, if you just want to read this, just to, be, just to see the seriousness of this. Paul gave an example of marriage and how a man is to love his wife and a, and a woman is to love her husband. But he also makes a point in here I just want to touch on real quick in Ephesians 5 verse 25 if you've never read it from this perspective as well just listen to this husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her Christ loved the church do you understand that because so many times we may be, people may say we are committed to Christ, but then they leave the church in the background. How many times have you heard this? I can go, I can be a Christian and not go to church or be involved in a church. Uh, what I read right here is that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Not going to church, but being a part of a group of body of believers that are dedicated um, to having, being one mind, one purpose, to glorify the Savior. And we are lacking commitment in the churches today. And so let's start with this principle, that the level of commitment must exceed the level of feeling when pursuing God's vision. Because we go a lot by our feelings today, don't we? And especially in the church. And when we go by our feelings, that gets us into trouble. But if we will be committed, if we will be committed, devoted followers, like those Cub fans, right? If those Cub fans can take it all the way to the grave, surely we can, right? And we could definitely die to ourselves every day and live for Christ. Um, Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, there is still work to be done. There, there, there's never comes a time where you say, okay, I've, I've finished, I've, I've completed. Um, right now, I'm, 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 I've arrived as a Christian. No, not until your last breath, not until Jesus Christ comes back there is still work to be done on this earth. It would be like this. The level of commitment um, exceeding the level of feeling. It would be like this. If you've ever sprained your ankle before, and I've sprained this one like 
five times and this one like seven times in sports. It's been horrible. <laughs> My ankles look messed up. But, but the thing is, after you sprain an ankle, if you've ever gone through something like that and it's painful, do you ever just stay there and say, oh, this just hurts too bad. I'm just not going to walk again. I've decided this is too painful. Forget it. No, what do you do, right? You, you nurse it, you, you ice it, um, you elevate it, and then you try to get to walking on it once again because you're committed to want to walk once again, to get back to where you originally were. And so many times we, we get down and we say, oh, the pain, the feeling, oh, it's horrible. And, and we say, forget it. I'm not going to walk again. We've got to commit once again. And the thing is, in this church... We are going to go through some major changes coming up, especially next week when I start to share with you the actual plans for this vision. And I'm going to be asking you to commit to, some, to certain things that are, I think is going to benefit your life as a Christian and benefit us as a group to affect the communities around us. Because otherwise, why are we meeting together? There's no purpose unless we're all under the same page, on the same page, um, under one vision, all right? So um, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. This is our last week in the series, and, and going through the book of Nehemiah has been um, very re- rewarding, and, and, uh, and just reading about how he challenged the people, and how the people challenged each other, and how they got on board, and, and how they were um, under the, the same vision to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem that had been demolished by the Babylonians, and then how the Persians took them over and everything else. And we see that they completed the wall in 52 days. That's where we left off, okay? The, the Israelites had completed the wall in 52 days. And in chapters 7 through 12 then, we're going to focus on chapter 13 today, but in chapters 7 through 12, um, they decided to open, Ezra opens up the book of the law, the, the, the scriptures, and they read the scriptures they have a time of repenting and getting their hearts back to God. Um, they have a time of dedicating the wall. They, they go through all this. They even have a binding agreement in chapter 10 that says this is what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And they're all on board, right? And so 12 years has passed. Nehemiah has been the governor for 12 years. He has to go back. Remember, he was the cupbearer to start with for King's Ar- Ar- King Artaxerxes. So he goes back to Susa. And as he's going back, the, the scholars believe he was, he was gone for about maybe two years. He's gone for about two years. What happens? Everything unravels. The once devoted followers now become fans. And we're going to see what happens throughout this great unravel. All right? It, it, it almost reminds me of there's this uh, church that I passed not too long ago that had a big sign out there that said, Help Save Our Church. And uh, the, you could tell the building had been uh, affected. The roof was almost off the building and everything else. I knew what they were meaning. They were meaning, you know, help us financially to help our church building. But I thought that the, the sign was funny to me because it said, Help Save Our Church. People, you are the church, all right? You don't have to... People, you're not, you're not saving the church by, by investing in a building here. You are the church. I knew what they were trying to say, but so many times that's the picture here. And in Nehemiah, we see that uh, Nehemiah leaves for a couple years 
a couple of years, and all of a sudden they just have this great unravel, and these are the things that happen. In verse 4 we'll see the first thing is that there was leadership compromise. It says, Before this, Elisha, priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah. You remember who Tobiah was, right? He was the enemy. He was the one that uh, was causing so much trouble with Symbolic. But uh, Tobiah uh, ended up getting a room at the Holiday Inn here, all right? It says, And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles, and also the tithes of grain, new wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests. All right? But while all this was going on, I was in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of, of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, remember he started in the 20th year, so 12 years had passed, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I had asked permission and came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing Elisha had done in providing Tobiah Jerusalem in courts of the house of God. And you're saying, well, wasn't that nice? I mean, he, he provided someone in a room. I mean, what's the big deal in that? But the thing was, Elisha was an Ammonite, and he was an enemy of God. And so here we are inviting the enemy of God into this place here to where he could cause even more destruction. And I love how Nehemiah responds. In chapter 13, you're going to see a whole new side of Nehemiah because he gets rowdy up in this place, all right? And you may think, wow, he has gone too far, but, but keep in mind that this is all for God and that he, did, he, un, he was understanding that he was committed to the vision that God had given him and that he wanted to see the people um, follow through in this vision because they thought it was, it was um, completed. They thought once the wall was completed, that was it. 52 days, the wall is completed, that's it. But there's always a work to be done in the cause of Christ. And I think many times today we give up or we, or we stop too soon. We feel like the work is already done. Remember when Windover Hill started? Let me just take you back. to the, And by the way, how many of you were here when Windover Hill first started? We've got devoted followers right here. Awesome. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. And, and many of you I know have been here for years as well. But let me take you back to when Windover Hills first started. And it started with a vision with, uh, with George and Margaret, right? And they, and they wanted to be a church that was, that was not just a humdrum, you know, um, bore you to death kind of church where you're going to not learn anything and not apply anything to your life. But they wanted to be a church that was alive, a, a, ch a church that was going to follow Christ. Um, will and to be obedient to him and together and remember you guys met in the uh, the hotel down the road right and you had to set up and tear down every Sunday and everyone was involved because it had to take everyone to get involved in it and so when you came to this place and, 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 and got it out and, and revamped it and everything else which I heard was a lot of work and all of a sudden the, the place is booming right Wendover Hills was alive, more alive than ever. I think at one time you guys had two services going, right? Things were hopping. Small groups were forming. People were living in community, right? But then sometimes we forget. Sometimes we don't have the rubble that's still around to remind us of where we came from. Sometimes we just coast. 
And I think now is the point for Wendover Hills to break through once again, to be a church that it was in the past and to go even greater than it has ever been before. Because once we start to live in community, once we start, and I see these relationships um, um, developing once again, once we start to become the true family of God, then we can take that into our community and truly be a light for Him. All right? And this is what was happening. He comes back and he sees this unraveling that's taking place. He sees that his leadership, and, and, when, it, and it, when it goes with the leadership, when it starts at the top, boy, it would just filter down into everything else. So the, with the leadership, they were compromising and saying, okay, yeah, you, we'll provide you a room in the, in, uh, in the storehouse, which was supposed to be used for, um, for the people's contributions and everything else. And so it was greatly sinning against God. So what does Tobiah, or what does um, Nehemiah do? He, he says this in verse 8. I was greatly displeased and threw all of Tobiah's house pulled goods out of the room. He just throws it all out. He just goes in the room and just tosses everything out, the bed and everything, right? The pillows and this stuffed little bear and what, I don't know, whatever he had in. Throws out everything out of the room and said, let's, let's uh, make this holy again. And so um, he goes through that. He sees that there was leadership compromise. The next thing we see is ministry neglect. In verse 10, he says, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them, and that the Levites and singers responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. What had happened? You see, these contributions were supposed to be given to these who, those who were leading the, the, the temple and the services and things like that and they were not being provided for. So they had to go find other work. And they couldn't then uh, devote themselves to what God had called them to do. I remember talking to a pastor uh, when I lived in Wabash that he was in the, the town next to me, and uh, he was a pastor of a small church, but um, he was bivocational, so he had another job. He worked at a, at a uh, gas station. And, you know, I always give, give it up for pastors that can do another job plus shepherded church because that has got to be incredibly difficult but anyway um he he shared with me one time that um for the past month he had not been receiving a paycheck uh mainly because the treasurer was um uh, uh very power hungry and decided to, ba- to pay the bills instead of to pay the pastor and so he, here he is suffering with his family and having to uh, work more hours at the gas station. And that's exactly what was happening here. They were neglecting the ministry. What can ministry neglect look like as well? Let me share with you some things just in our church. Can I just be honest with you today? I'll be honest with you. Our children and our youth desperately need for help. We're lacking volunteer help in those two areas. And that is our future future church. We need some people to step up in here. Are you willing to step up? Ashley is doing a wonderful job leading our, our children's ministry. Would you be willing to step up and say, yes, I'll help with our children? They're so precious. And Jesus, Jesus wrapped in his arms. We see scripture after scripture about them. And with our youth, Brad and Amanda doing a uh, fantastic job with the youth. You know what? They need help as well. They need a lot of help as well. 
are you willing to step up and, and, and join with uh, Brad and Amanda to, to help uh, um, uh, spark this youth once again as well? Are you willing to step up? There's so many. I'm back here with David and David Krushank, uh, uh always count on him with the PowerPoint and, and Lee whenever he's here, of course. But you guys need more help back there too, don't you? There are so many areas in our church that need help, but we, I know you can step up and do it. We're going to talk about what different types of levels of commitment there are that I see in this church right now that, that you can see where you're at and where we need to go, and we can do that, okay? And this isn't to say shame on you or anything like that. It's just the reality of what's going on so that you know and we can step up and make this church what it can be, right? Because we've talked about all along that God can do it. We can help, right? God can do, God can do a mighty work in this church and through this church. So we are the ones who make up the church, right? We are the ones that make up the church, and we can do this. We all come together. And so there was ministry neglect there. What was also happening, there was also careless worship. In verse 15, In those days I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And all they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. The men were selling, they were bringing, they were bringing their businesses on the Sabbath. Remember, the Sabbath was a time of rest, a time to take a day off, to, to chill out, to relax, to, to spend time with your Savior, to, to get renewed, refreshed, to be ready to, to do the will of God for the remaining week. Are you taking your Sabbath? How are you doing on your day off? Are you giving it all to the Lord? And there was careless worship going on, and... And I love how Nehemiah responds to this one. Check this out. When evening shadows fell, in verse 19, on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not to be opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice the merchants, get this, and sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside of Jerusalem. In other words, they were trying to bring in their business from from the inside out say hey why don't you come outside the walls here and we'll we'll just do our business even though it's Sabbath day who cares but I warned them and said why do you spend the night by the wall if you do this again (laughs) I will lay hands on you that was Nehemiah's words I will lay hands on you and as not to pray you know what I'm saying okay we ain't gonna have a praying session going on here I will lay my hand on you. And from that time on, no longer, uh, from that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath. <laughs> then I command the Levites to purify themselves and go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Do you see what Nehemiah was doing? He was committed to what God had called him to do. He was committed to keeping the people in line to saying, listen, we are here. There's a greater purpose that we're living right now and I need you on board because we're in this together. This is a team effort and let's, let's stay focused because for two years he had been gone. Just two years. And things were unraveling. And then what was the last that happened? Destructive relationships. Verse 23. Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod um, or the language of the other of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. Now here's the thing. 
there was uh, uh, there was some intermarrying going on here with other nations, and the reason why God um, had not wanted them to do this is because these other nations were worshiping false gods, things like that, and it would it would be very influential on how they worship, and so this was not a good idea, and it commanded them not to do this anyway. And so we see that uh, once they left, they started marrying, intermarrying with other uh, nations and, and, and couples and things like that, and, and it just caused a, caused a big mess. And this is how Nehemiah responds. Now, again, Nehemiah is pretty radical. And let me make a few comments after I mention this verse, because you're going to be like, whoa, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is. I read verse, verse 25. You ready for this? That's why you got to read the Bible because it's, it's so shocking. It's so gut honest, real, and it's great. And it will just, just check this out. Verse 25. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out some of their hair. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, You are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or your daughters. All right? So he beats some of them and pulls out their hair. Now, let me make a comment about this because you've got to understand um, um, the setting, the, 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 the time frame back then. Uh, pulling out one's beard was a sign of disgrace, okay? And so it was a common practice at that time that showing disgrace of someone that you'd pull out the beard. So that's kind of what was going on there. But, but um, he, 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 definitely, he, he definitely whooped him, though, all right? I, he took a whooping to him and he said, all right, now listen. Get back in order here, and 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 all these things were going on, and he and he is just trying to reform their ways back to what God had intended them to be like. Nehemiah was committed to this, and time and time again, you see in these verses here, you'll see that he says, "Remember me with favor, oh my God, remember me with favor." He's not saying that selfishly, like remember me and forget the rest of the people. But what he's saying there is, remember, God, what, help us to not undo what we have just done because we want to be committed to your purpose and your will for our life. Uh, we want our level of commitment to exceed our level of feeling when we pursue your vision. So Nehemiah allowed his past to motivate his future, and as a result, his commitment level skyrocketed. Remember what happened in the past. Let that motivate your future. You know, um, there are five things I want to share with you, five different levels of commitment uh, that I came up with that I see today in the church, all right? And I want to share with you, and I want you to kind of take an honest inventory of yourself and see where am I at today and where do I need to go, okay? So these are in sports terms. I'm sorry, I know. I will not, I promise I will not use sports analogies the rest of your my time here at Wendover Hills preaching just today for some reason I am okay now what is my current ask yourself this question what is my current level of commitment in this church because remember this is a problem within our generation today we need a commitment today and if you're committed to Jesus Christ you're also going to be committed to the church the local church because God uses the local church amen okay so a level of commitment. Now this is just a small percentage. Okay, this this first one. Let me just clarify that. And I think most of the people that are in this cult have left the church, so it's okay. But there always got to be. There's always got to be um, a Judas in the crowd, right? Okay. So there. Um, ask yourself this: Are you in this type of commitment? Are you the loud fan in the stands? Okay. 
the loud fan in the stands. What I mean by that is, is the one that is always opinionated, always has an opinion about something, always is a divisive person, uh, someone that's always causing trouble, um, someone that's not very involved in the church, but yet will, will spout off their opinion. If that's you, there's two exit signs there and there. You can even leave while I'm preaching. I don't care, okay? Uh, we don't want divisiveness in this church. Go to the Baptist church down the road, all right? The thing is this, um, uh, the loud fan in the stands, we do not need in our church. But I don't think any of you are the loud fans in the stands because I don't see any of you here today. So the next one we would consider is the water boy level, okay? You know what the water boy does during the games, right? He goes and he serves the waters to the teammates. He's very helpful, but yet at the same time um, does not have a relationship with the teammates. Okay. How many of you are water boys today? We can count on you. You're helpful. You're great. You're wonderful people, but you have no relationships with one another. Don't know your teammates that well. Now, if you're new, I mean, you, you start to develop those relationships. And what I'm talking about, you've been here for a while. You're a water boy. What about the bench warmer? Always an attender. I can always count on you, seeing you in your seats, but you're never involved. Uh, you can show up for the services, but never see you involved in relationships or the ministry or on Sunday morning service or serving, whatever it may be. Are you a bench warmer? What about the role player? The role player is reliable, a hard worker, will do anything um, you ask them to do, but will not go the extra mile. Okay. They're a role player. You can count on them. Very liable, um, but will not go the extra mile. Are you the role player? And then the one we want to get to, we're going to talk more about and starting next week, to be the C3 leader. Are you the C3 leader? Because the C3 leader is what we need every single one of you to be in this church. And that's to be a passionate, Christ-like servant leader a servant leader. If you see a need, you're going to jump there and help. You're going to get involved in these relationships. You're going to be involved in the three communities that we're going to have in our church coming up, cell cluster and celebration, because you're going to be a part of Wendover Hills. It's going to be part of a movement and not just be some church on the sidelines. Aren't you sick of churches on the sidelines? Do you want to be a part of a movement? Can I get an amen? You want to be a part of something big here at Wendover Hills. You will not want to miss next week's service or the weeks that follow after that because we're going to dive into our vision about what Wendover Hills could be and should be here. And so I want to challenge you. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Um, I just want to challenge you. I have my two-year review coming up as pastor. You have no idea what that is. Uh, that is in the in the district. They they have a two year review where they will they will um, evaluate how you're doing as a pastor, and then those who are members covenant and community will vote to whether they want you still as their pastor or if they don't. Okay, and that's going to come up in the beginning of the new year to prepare you for it. I need commitment in this church, and. If you're not willing to commit, 
once we start to go through this process of unleashing our vision over the next several weeks, as you start to discover our, our vision, if you're not willing to commit, just write a no on your on your um, ballot, okay? Because we'll, we'll just stop wasting each other's time. But if you're willing to step up and to really commit yourself to being a part of this church and a great movement of God, then let's do it. Then let's do it. Let's truly be the church that is all about one more, awakening one more soul to experience life in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? If you're not, you know what to write on the ballot. All right? And we'll go our separate ways. But I want to be a part of a church that's committed and saying, let's do this thing. Because I'm sick of messing around. All right? Let's do it. Um, I have the worship band come up and lead us in worship. I think the worship today has been already awesome. I appreciate just seeing the hearts of you right now. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in, in, uh, in your body language. Let's just continue to worship our Savior. That's all that matters today, isn't it? Jesus is why we came. Jesus is why we gathered here today. May we worship Him. During, during these, these next couple of songs, we've got a couple of songs left remaining. If you really feel like God's been tugging on your heart today, and maybe as we're talking about commitment, maybe your commitment to Christ is lacking. Forget about the church for a moment here. What about your commitment to Christ? And maybe it hasn't been what it should be. Maybe you need to get right with Him today. Maybe you just want to come for any other reason. The altar's open. Um, I would really like to see this. If you need to be prayed for, to come forward, and I'd like to see other people in our church just come pray with them. And let's truly love one another. You know, Christ called us to not only love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but He also called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're here today to do that. So if you've got a burden and you need to bring it before the Lord, uh, come to the altar and pour your, pour your heart out to Him. We'll surround you with prayer. All right?